And welcome back to the podcast, Everything You Never Need to Know About Movies, Music, and Theater. I am your host, Matt Garland. So we had a couple episodes where we were, there was some interviews done, uh, some uh, one-on-ones with some people, but I felt it was about about time that we got back to what this podcast was um, originally uh, uh, created to be. Not that I don't enjoy the one-on-ones with the people I've talked to. I'm going to continue doing a couple more. Um, But I really want to get back into talking about subjects um, that are very entertaining. And I have a couple more that are going to be coming up in the coming months Um, with Christmas coming up. um, I have two guests who have already who are already booked who are going to talk about um considerable things one includes something that has to do with christmas and muppets i'll leave it leave it at that and another thing that has to do with um oh just a old savings and loan uh um i'm just going to tease that we'll see what happens but um yeah and we'll have some returning guests i have two great returning guests coming for each of those so i'm really excited but enough about the shows coming up. Let's talk about the show that we're that you're listening to right now. I have the amazing pleasure to to have a returning guest. Um, she hasn't been on for a while, but I'm so happy when she uh, stops by and decides she wants to talk about things. And this is going to be uh, a treat for all of you because this is going to be a two-parter. I will say it. We will break this into two parts, and there will be two parts in this episode. But um, who am I talking about? Why, of course, it's my good friend, Amelia Smith. Amelia, thank you for coming back. Thank you so much for having me. I am really, really honored to be, like, of all the people you could have chosen to do this episode, I'm really honored that you asked me to talk about this particular show. Well, let's not waste any more time. We're going to get right into it. We'll talk about the history like we usually do, talk about the show itself, talk about what our favorite things are, and with a little bit of a difference um, part two will have to do with the show, but it will be another aspect of the show because, and I'm saying it's a two-parter because uh, uh, Amelia and I and not, could go on and on about this forever. So the show we're talking about is Shrek the Musical. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. You already did that one, right? Oh yeah. No, no. Um, this one is Legally Blonde the Musical. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> We're talking about Hamilton. Finally, we are talking about Hamilton. I've wanted to do this for the longest time, and I've been trying to figure out who the best person to be to sit with me and talk to me. And again, because Amelia hasn't been on here and because I know of her love, because she and I have talked a great deal about Hamilton, it just seemed to work and fit. So um, Amelia, are you excited? (laughs) I am so pumped. So, Let's not waste any time. We have a lot of ground to cover and we're going to get right into it. So for those who don't know what Hamilton is, um, uh, welcome to the 21st century. We have uh, cell phones now. I'm kidding. Um, So Hamilton is the brainchild of Lin-Manuel Miranda, directed by Tommy Cale, um, the same team that did uh, uh, In the Heights, which will be another episode at some point. Um, And uh, uh, obviously we're missing the book writer, which is funny. Um, I'll tell this now. This actually reports that she has actually written a um, um, screen to stage ad- uh, a stage to screen adaptation of Hamilton for a movie. 
him, uh, Lin-Manuel has gone on record and said he's not going to do a movie version until it's been out for a while because a lot of people are obviously asking him to do one. Um, but there is a script written and it's by uh, uh, the writer of uh, In the Heights. I'm not going to try to say her name because I always get it wrong. And uh, But um, it, it would be very interesting to see that. And I guess she says it has Lin's blessing. So I'd be willing to, to see that and see what happens. Um, but anyway, Hamilton... Um, so I guess to start off, Amelia, what is your, um, to start everything off, give me, give me a, a summary of why this musical, why you love Hamilton and why you love this musical um, um, so much. It's uh, um, a good question. I think there's, I think the Hamilton so I'll start off by saying Hamilton was not a show that I expected to love. I, um, I'm about as white as you can get. And I did not, get, I mean, not that white people can't be into rap or hip hop, but I just didn't have any experience with those genres. Um, I did my not. Wife, my wife is actually whiter than you, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I just did not enjoy those. I, I didn't have much experience and I didn't think that I would enjoy an entire rap hip hop musical about a like 18th century historical figure that I kind of knew about. He's on money. Other than that, like I thought, how are you going to make a whole musical about this? I could see it as maybe like one long rap, but like the opening number that was about as much show as I thought you could get out of it. So I was very late to the Hamilton train. Um, because I thought there's no way that any show could be as good as this one has been hyped up to be. It is. <laughs> like, Hamilton and Hadestown are like the only shows I think that completely live up to all of the hype that they've gotten. But, well, I mean, th that have come out in my lifetime, I'll say. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I started listening to it like after it had already been out for I think almost a year and after about three songs I was totally hooked I love the um sorry that was probably too long of a backstory no, no keep but, going no yeah. keep going please 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 what I really love is Lin-Manuel Miranda's storytelling and the way that he uses like traditional musical theater and opera writing techniques with the style of uh, styles of hip-hop and rap and the other musical styles that are in Hamilton like he takes these contemporary musical forms and combines them with like classical technique and just fuses them together in such an interesting way like the storytelling is so good and the the lyrics, like the wordplay that goes on is so clever. And I'm a, I'm a word person. Um, I come from a family that's like very verbal, um, very wordy and like really was taught to appreciate like clever wordplay from a very young age. Um, I love Shakespeare. And I often say that I think Lin-Manuel Miranda just might possibly be the reincarnation of Shakespeare in this century because he's so good with words and like the it's just it's so clever there's so many layers to the things that he writes um in Hamilton at least and I I just really 
enjoy that. I appreciate that. Um, and the, the way that the story is told, like, it, it speaks to me on an intellectual level and an emotional level. I feel like every time I listen to it, there's something new that jumps out. Um, so I, yeah, I just find a lot to appreciate there. And I've also been, like, very humbled um, to discover that I loved this show so much that I, I didn't think I would find so much to enjoy in this, in a a show that fit this description. Um, so oh. it, it's um, kind of humbled me and inspired me to look around to, you know, work by um, creators that I wouldn't normally think that I would like. And, um, you know, it's kind of try to broaden my horizons. Um, well said in terms of uh, look around, look around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, I, I absolutely agree with you. And what's funny is, um, I, so how I was introduced to Hamilton was the, um, the correspondent, uh, the, the night that Lin-Manuel went to the White House, stood in front of Obama and all of his um, invited guests and said, I'm working on a hip hop concept album about Alexander Hamilton. And everyone laughed. And he did this rap and I was sitting there going, this is either going to be amazing or it's going to be terrible. And it blew me out of the water. And I was a fan of Lynn from um, In the Heights, one of my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time. And, you know, I'm from um, Central America, so I'm not technically Hispanic or um, in that realm that he is, but I look, I look up to him. I think he's young. I think he's, I think he's only a couple years older than me, but I look up to him very, very much. And he comes from this wonderful line of um, songwriters and writers for the theater who were all influenced by the same people. He really does come from the tradition of musical theater. Um, he comes, he, he said when he first realized he could write shows about himself was when he saw Rent by Jonathan Larson. Jonathan Larson was a student of Stephen Sondheim, in which case Lin-Manuel is, is a student of Stephen, Stephen Sondheim. And if anyone has ever heard me talk about Stephen Sondheim, this man is the dean of musical theater and is so amazing with how he explains how people should create and how things are um, should be done in musical theater. And so you're absolutely right. The Hamilton has so much of the traditions of musical theater, so much of what we know to be musical theater, and then add in the new element of hip hop, which it's not the first hip hop musical to be done. There have been ones that have done, have happened before, but they were not as well received. And Lynn also comes from the method of hip hop in the sense of storytelling and not just from the because there's some hip-hop and rap that is very sexist misogynistic um homophobic and all that stuff he comes from a world that is much more in the realm of i'm going to tell a story from where about where i came from through music and it just so happens that i will rap this stuff and he also knows how to if anyone knows uh uh, uh in the heights he wrote salsa he wrote 
ballads. He wrote pop songs. One of his best songs in that show is a song called Everything I Know, which is literally a woman sitting there and singing about the woman who held everything together and how she wants to be make her proud. It's the 11 o'clock number and it's such, it, so beautiful. it it's makes so me cry. It makes me cry. It makes me think of my grandmother. So I, I'm, I completely understand that. And, um, and so this was the second one out. And I, so um, I don't know how much Amelia, you know about the history of this. This was never supposed to be written. Uh, uh, Lin-Manuel um, was looking for his next show. He was looking for his next show. And I guess he actually read Team of Rivals, which is the book that would eventually become Lincoln. And he was thinking about that as a hip hop musical until he found out Steven Spielberg had beat him to it. So he went on vacation with his wife and uh, I think to either Bermuda or Jamaica, one of those. And he just bought a big book. He said, I just need a big book to sit on the beach and read. And it turned out to be Ron Chernow's book about Hamilton. And he couldn't put it down. Like he immediately was like, this has to be something. This, this sings to me. And so he wrote the song, Alexander Hamilton. And um, the thing about that is it tells the story so interestingly that when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, this is a great song. I don't know how this would be a musical, but then again, I don't know anything about um, Alexander Hamilton by beyond what I know from the miniseries John Adams or, or what have you. Um, but he kept writing and he kept thinking about it. And it was Tommy Kale who kept saying, you need to do this. This is, this needs to be the next one up. And it took him two years to write the next song, which was my shot. It literally took him two years to write my shot. And once he realized that he needed to do this, he was like, okay, he actually went to, he went to a place in New York that, Aaron Burr stayed at, Hamilton stayed at, like everyone stayed at. And he sat in this room and just brought his laptop and wrote and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. So he was surrounded by everything that was going to inspire him. He read everything he could. Everything is available. A lot of stuff is available. And, um, and if you want to talk about, uh, um, following the trends of musical theater, he did something that Tim Rice does very well instead of doing like a biopic and having the character himself tell the story he picks another character to be the storyteller so like if you look at um evita it's the character shay who's telling the story about it yeah or the the one i always think about when he's talking about when lynn's talking about is judas out of jesus christ superstar yeah that's I see so much of a parallel from Judas to um, Aaron Burr. And it was funny when he was singing the song, Alexander Hamilton, it wasn't until the very end that I realized he was talking about Burr when he says, I'm the damn fool that shot him. And I was like, that's brilliant. You're writing a Hamilton thing from the perspective of Aaron Burr. That's crazy ridiculous. Um, And so uh, it took him forever to write it. And, um, there was discussion of having it be a traditional book musical. So you'd do a song and then there'd be a scene with some dialogue leading up to another song. But he kept saying every time he got to that section, he didn't know how to write it and he didn't really want to bring someone else in because it was just so in his head. So they just said, well, we'll just do it as a quote unquote sung through and just keep it going. Um, 
And so in 2015, it premiered off-Broadway at the Public Theater, um, where Oscar Eustace, who will come up again later, but he was the big, big influence in Angels in America, um, it premiered there and it won rave reviews. Now, the off-Broadway version is not much different than the Broadway version. There's a song, there's a, a couple of lines that were taken out. There was a song in there that was replaced with a different song, which when we get to the uh, countdown, we'll, we'll talk about. Um, but it became a hit kept going on and then they said we're going to bring it to Broadway and the same cast brought it to Broadway and within minutes it was this huge explosion and um, Lynn couldn't even believe it himself like Lynn had literally just gotten a job for d doing Moana which will be another episode um, and he was told Hamilton is blown up and it's amazing and he's like oh my god and Disney was the recuperance of saying, oh, Lin-Manuel Lin Manuel's brilliant and all this stuff. And then his career just soared from it at that point. Um, one of the things I, I liked is he actually hosted Saturday Night Live and he was talking about, if no one has ever seen Hamilton, you don't know who I am. And um, I, don't, I don't know when I'll be back. It, takes seven year, it took me seven years to write Hamilton. So I don't know if I'll ever be back here. <laughs> so I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> but... Um, um, and I think I can say for honest fact, you have you actually seen Hamilton on stage? Uh, not, but beyond the Disney Plus, I mean, on stage. I have. Um, it's actually a cute little story. Um, when my husband and I got married in 2018, Hamilton was in Boston that fall. And I was like, ooh, that'd be so awesome if some friends of ours were to get us tickets as a wedding present but i couldn't ask that from people because those are way too expensive but right. um jasmine who's been on the podcast before mm -hmm. was my maid of honor and she got all of our theater troupe friends to to pitch in to um get us tickets for a wedding present so i did get to see it um when it was in boston and then of course have watched the the filmed production on disney plus which yeah um, both because with the camera angles so tight there's some different staging things that you didn't really get to see well and that's what i was going to ask when you saw it what were your seats like when you and kenny went to to see it we were in the balcony um okay front of the balcony <laughs> but pretty far back which yeah. was actually neat because um you know with the the album the way it is like you have almost the entire show. There's just like a couple little bits of transitional music and there's that one song that's not on the, the cast recording. But other than that, like I was listening to it and I, I love albums where you get the whole show on the CD because I'm like, I can just imagine this whole thing in my head while I'm listening. Right. And so I basically thought I knew how the show was going to look. And it didn't, but I, I was glad because like I could imagine how the individual characters were feeling and looking and acting during their songs, but it was really neat to see the whole picture of the stage because there were some, there's just some really neat things that they did with light and like lighting patterns on the floor or like really subtle ways of creating the world of the show with actors mostly because the the set is actually pretty minimal i mean there's there's a large set but it 
they transition so quickly between locations and time periods that they don't really have time to like, you know, change a full scene because sometimes you're in multiple locations throughout one song. <laughs> so they did some really clever things and you've probably seen some of this. If anyone has seen Hamilton on Disney Plus, you can see like at the beginning of Aaron Burser, they have all these people walking in patterns around the lampposts and then they transition into the tavern. And um, there's, there's some other neat background stuff that just stood out more when it was on stage. I really got a sense of the role that the ensemble plays in the show, yeah. which was neat. Yeah, we talk about, obviously about the main cast, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, that that, that ensemble, they're on stage pretty much the entire show, minus like two two scenes maybe with with uh, Eliza. The uh, that would be enough, and then Burn. Every uh, the rest of the time, they're all all on stage. Um, and the other cool thing about the show is that. At the time when um, Puerto Rico was had all these kinds of damages from Hurricane Maria, it was um, the producers and Lynn who was very, very insistent that they opened the show, uh, a touring company in Puerto Rico. Lynn went back into the show after I think a couple, a year or two after he had left to, you know, become Lynn Manuel Miranda. Um, but he was going to go back in. They were going to charge a ton of tickets like high priced you know he used to laugh he used to say we'll charge really really expensive seats and then a couple seats that are solely for the residents of puerto rico so that other people can come to puerto rico spend money and build up the economy and you know buy you know stuff so that they can help the economy in puerto rico um and uh and then obviously puerto ricans can go and see the show so obviously Lynn was looking out for his fellow um, fellow people as well. The other interesting thing that Lynn talked about is that he immediately, he feels the Hamilton show is very much about his father. His father came to America, was an immigrant from Puerto Rico, spoke no English and was here on a master's program to become a lawyer in New York at NYU and learned English while he was here and built a life with him, his family, and with Lynn and everyone. I mean, that's the American dream. And this this is like the ultimate American dream. You're talking about, I mean, people, I don't know if people realize this, but Hamilton was an immigrant. He was from, um, oh. Um, island called Nevis. Thank it's you. In the, it's in the Caribbean. I don't know. I don't remember the exact location. I started reading the Chernow biography, but I didn't get too far. Um, yeah, so he was born on an island, and it's, it's. I know Lynn embellishes this a little bit, but he, he wrote himself out. There was a huge hurricane, and he wrote this very flowery letter to his father, who was in the, um, in the States, that he could go, and, and everyone was like, oh my god, this guy's a genius, and they actually took money so that they could send him to the mainland, so they could send him to New York to get an education. Um, otherwise, he would have just been an accountant for uh, a shipping company out of Puerto Rico for trade for merchant traders. So, you know, Hamilton literally wrote himself out of his situation. The other thing that's interesting, and I'm not sure if Amelia knows too much about this about me, but I identify with this story in the show to the nth degree. Um, 
I'm an immigrant. I came to, I was, I did not come here on a, on a boat. I came on a plane being carried by my now adopted mother, uh, who's just my mom. And I, uh, had a dream just to be a writer and, you know, of some wonderful things that have happened in the last couple months. Um, I kind of think of myself now as an official playwright and it's taken that long, but it's also that I, you know, we'll talk about the song nonstop, but there's a line, how do you write like you're running out of time? I always feel like I don't have enough time to finish whatever I'm working on. And I'm sure Amelia feels the same way too, because she's a writer as well. So this speaks to the writer in everyone. It speaks to the legacy. What do you want your legacy to be um, after you leave this world? And also who's going to keep your legacy? Um, You know, you have a will, that you leave certain things to certain people, but you also have to wonder, and it's really funny, um, just for a quick story, is that I spent a long time in college trying to build a legacy and do short films, do TV shows, and so I could be remembered, but now none of that stuff is remembered on that campus because of whatever reason, and it just gets lost. So you kind of wonder, what is the legacy of a person gonna be when everything is said and done? And it can be either a bittersweet thing or a bitter or a wonderful thing. And, um, you know, it is what that, I guess it is what it is. Um, Amelia, what do you think of all that, of the writer aspect, the legacy aspect, and the person who's gonna keep your legacy you know i'm with you i i think the thing that surprised me most was like you know knowing alexander hamilton's claim to fame as the the, sorry um noise in the kitchen um knowing that alexander's claim to fame was as the first secretary of the treasury like that didn't sound like a particularly interesting or creative career but um i mean if you're the first of anything you've got to have a certain amount of creativity to figure out how to set the pattern for people coming after you but um the way that lynn writes like the creative side of alexander hamilton the writer and the the person who wants to make his mark on the world i mean i think a lot of that is (laughs) Lynn kind of projecting his own um, creative passion and desire onto that character as well. But like, I love that he does that because I'm so many of the songs, so many of the um, the emotions and the desires and so many of the lyrics. I'm just like listening to it for the first time. I was like, yes. I have felt this. <laughs> I wish I could write day and night like I'm running out of time. I don't. I'm not nearly as dedicated and prolific a writer as you, but um, yeah, I I relate to that. And so much of that, like the struggle too between work and um, family and like wanting to have a legacy that you give the world versus wanting to have like a personal legacy that um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later when we get into talking about the songs, but yeah, yeah, there's so many things that are just so relatable about this show for people from all kinds of different backgrounds and in all kinds of different professions, which I think is the mark of a really brilliant writer being able to speak to 
such a broad audience and have like so many different people be able to look at your work and say, yes, I've been there. That's me. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, so since we were talking about the cast, so um, you can look up the cast list, but for the most part, the main list obviously is Lin-Manuel played Alexander. The wonderful Leslie Odom Jr. played Aaron Burr. You had Philippa Sue playing Eliza, who was um, uh, Hamilton's wife. And uh, the amazing Renee Els Goldberry as Angelica Schuyler. And if anyone wants to see more of her, they did a live, a filmed live version of um, Rent, not the live from NBC, like an actual on stage on Broadway when it was closing version. And she's Mimi and she is amazing. She really is. Um, you had Davy Diggs as the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson dual roles. Um, Chris Jackson, the amazing Chris Jackson in George Washington, as George Washington. Getting off topic for just a second, uh, Amelia, have you ever heard Lin-Manuel's Tony acceptance speech for, um, for when he won In the Heights, for score for In the Heights? No. My God, he does a whole thing. He does a rap. He's like, um, you know, he thanks everyone through a rap and then he says, uh, I don't, uh, what does he say? He says, I don't know about God, but I believe in Chris, Chris Jackson. <laughs> And then he goes on, he says, uh, I'm off the dome. I wrote a show about home. See, Mr. Sondheim, look, I made a hat where there never was a hat. It's a Latin hat at that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> look it up. It's amazing. That's so clever. I'm going to have to listen to that. Uh, Anthony Ramos as John Lawrence and uh, Philip Hamilton, who um, Anthony Ramos is about to, is the lead. He's about to star in In the Heights, the movie version. I'm really excited about that. That's going to be really amazing. Um, and then, uh, oh, I can't say this guy's name, but I, and I feel so bad. Oak uh, Anandowan as Hercules Mulligan and James Madison, uh, again, dual roles. And I always think of him as the hype man, the big guy standing in the back and the hype. Um, and then on Off-Broadway, you had uh, Brian Darcy James as King George III. Um, if anyone knows him, he is a Broadway actor. He was in something um, something rotten. And then in the movies, he was in um, uh, Spotlight, the man with the mustache who lived down the street to the priest that apparently in, uh, implied that molested his character. And um, he was just in Molly's Game. Um, but he was replaced on Broadway because he was going to go into another show by Jonathan Groff, uh, Spring Awakening fame. Um, and then Jasmine Cephas Jones rounds out the main cast um, as uh, Peggy Schuyler and uh, Maria Reynolds. So that's your cat. That's your original cast uh, right there. It's the same cast that you get to see on the uh, Disney plus version. Um, and, you know, before we go into too much other stuff, I want to also say that obviously it was, pretty much critically acclaimed and the reviews loved him and it was nominated for, and I should have looked at this before, but let's see, one, two, three, four, five, oh, I'm sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 16 Tony Awards. And it won three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11 and 111. One of the ones it didn't win, which is very interesting, it didn't win for scenic design. And all the, even though it's one set, I kind of feel like that was, un, that, that was a, that's, a, that's a criminally underrated set that you were talking about. Just imagining what it looked like from the balcony and seeing it in the Disney Plus thing. I mean, that's, that's actually a really um, amazing set. I think, I think it deserved more, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. We'd have to look at what other shows were nominated that year and see if they measure up. Let's find out. <laughs> Not that I don't have this right in front of me, but I have this right in front of me. Um, okay, so that year, David Rockwell won for She Loves Me, which was a Broadway revival. Also nominated that year was American Cycle and Shuffle Along. Well, having seen the recorded version of She Loves Me, I, I think that's deserved because that was also a very amazing set. Was that a very intricate kind of set changing thing? Like yeah, they, I'm pretty sure there was like a revolve involved and Hamilton also has a revolving floor, but there were, there were some pretty spectacular sets and she loves me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and um, Les Mis and, and there's a book called um, Hamilton. I have it somewhere actually, where they do a whole deep dive into, um, into the show and into everything. So if anyone wants to look for it, um, um, it's it's really it's a really good read. Uh, Hamilton, uh, kind of inside the story, inside the behind the scenes. It's wonderful, wonderful book, and it also has an annotated um, script version with all the lyrics, so you actually get to see Lin Manuel's notes on all the lyrics. Um, and it also is in audiobook, which I've listened to a million times, and it's actually Marisha. Uh, how you say her name? Marisha Hardikte from SVU who narrates it. And it's really funny hearing her <laughs> say things that Lynn has said, like, yeah, boy, you know, and F yeah, and all that. So it's really funny. Um, but the show was filmed and put onto Disney Plus. Um, I think you said you were going to watch it soon. I watch it in a couple of days. I watched it just a day or two ago. And it's quite thrilling it's quite amazing and dang it if i didn't start crying i think yeah. i did yeah. yeah we watched it i think fourth of july weekend when it came out and there kenny had seen the show with me but you know from way back in the balcony and uh, there were there were man tears <laughs> many man tears and of course i was a mess because course i am every single time i listen to hamilton and seeing it again and seeing it up close too yeah. like some of the little subtle things that they do like this is a testament to how good these actors are like because you know i've seen videos of broadway shows before where the acting is like newsies like mm. the the older actors and newsies do well but the like the little kids are like everything is over the top and like with Hamilton like there's enough energy and force to read to the back of the theater and yet they're also doing like these very subtle facial expressions and gestures like Lynn does this thing at the beginning of at, at the end rather of the opening number where um 
think Eliza puts a different coat on him as he's like becoming the young Alexander Hamilton. And he does this thing where he's like, like fidgeting with the lapels of the coat and he looks all self-conscious and nervous. And it's like, it's such a subtle thing. Like you'd never get that unless you were sitting in the um, like orchestra section of the theater. But it just shows how committed he is to this character and how deeply he understands and like feels connected to this role. So that was a real treat to get to see the original cast and all of their their little quirks. I loved well, it so much. Well, and there's also I know for a fact um, that there are a couple things that Lynn does just to make other people laugh, and specifically. Um, what he calls his, when, when we get to the, the songs, but the, his Ja Rule impression to make uh, Philippa Sue laugh and then his uh, weird dance. The thing I love, and it's not on the list of songs we're gonna talk about, so I just wanna talk about this for a second. Um, the track Winter Ball always makes me laugh when they're getting ready to the Winter Ball and they're like, um, um, his, um, Hamilton's skill with the quill is undeniable, but what do these men have in common? They're reliable with the ladies. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I like the line, uh, Martha Washington named her feral tomcat after him. That's true. I don't know if it actually is. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> no, Lynn has said that that's true. But the one I like in that is... Um, if you can marry a sister, your rich son, is it a question of if per or which one? Hey, hey. hey. And I just, <laughs> and I noticed he was, he does that to the front audience. Like he's looking right at them and he's like, hey, hey. <laughs> but, um, there's so much, there's so many nuances. There's so many things in there that are, are, so intricate and you can tell that they worked on it and that it's not just like one of those eccentricity that you find in the middle of you know doing a show a million times but it's and the way that they all pull it off um so lynn did not he was nominated but he did not win for best lead actor leslie odom jr did and i'm inclined to think that that was the best thing because that aaron burr role i mean that is a brilliant brilliant theater role for a man yeah and it it's so tricky because people go in expecting not to like him you know it's like making judas the sort of yeah. spokesman of jesus christ superstar everyone is like oh he's the guy who shot alexander hamilton what a jerk <laughs> and he is kind of like he's so the way that burr is he's so um i don't know how to describe it People he's a little arrogant. He's a little arrogant. Like, it, yeah, he's and he's kind of aloof and mm. like isn't as open and uh, instantly relatable as Alexander Hamilton. So to really commit to that character, um, to really you know find what motivates him and to make the audience care about his journey as much as we end up doing um, shows. I mean, it's a testament to Lynn's skill, but also Leslie Odom Jr.'s skill as an actor okay. um, really just shines in that role. He also has a gorgeous voice. Yes, he does. Um, he he has a, uh, I think it's a Christmas album, and it's probably one of my favorites since the Johnny Mathis Christmas album. It's His voice is so 
smooth. He and Seth Seth uh, McFarlane could have a smooth voice off um, thing. And then you go into like Renee Goldsberry. That girl just throwing those lines as as Angelica and like that whole satisfied song is so intricate and so amazing. And Lynn has said that he can't wait for when the show is licensed to see like, what do you say? Teenage girls doing it in, you know, the high school productions being the Angelica of, of everything. Um, but I think the, the dexterity and the quickness has to go to Debbie Diggs as uh, uh, both Lawrence and uh, as a uh, Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. I mean, Guns and Ships alone is a, <laughs> it, it scrambles my brain just because um, everything is so intricately woven. And, you know, <laughs> I go to France for more guns. Uh, I go to Grand, uh, I go to France for, for more funds. I come back with more guns and ships. And so the balance shifts. <laughs> it's so intricate and so amazing. And then, to have him then go to Washington at at your side, um, that middle part. I'm in the I'm in the cabinet. I am complicit in that Washington whole. Washington grabbing at power and kissing it. Washington ain't, ain't gonna listen to discipline distance. This is the difference. Let's get us out. Wordplay <laughs> and the the speed, like, oh my gosh, and like on point with the diction. And really, you you have to have perfect diction to do that. Otherwise, it just comes out a mess. Yeah. Just. Oh, the way he zips through those wraps is out of this world. It's it's absolutely amazing, and yeah, and 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 not only that, in both he's jumping around. You in the Disney Plus version, you can see him like gearing up and doing it. And one thing I noticed <laughs> is while he's doing it, Oak, who's playing um, James Madison, is mouthing the words with him because he's trying to see if he can keep up with him on stage <laughs> during the show. Yeah. That kind of like fits for um, Madison though. Cause I feel like Madison desperately wants to be Jefferson and knows that he's never going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and again, he's the hype man, you know, cause uh, Jefferson says, you know, uh, such a blunder. I wonder what I, I wonder sometimes why I bring the thunder and then he, why he even brings the thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Like the best friend behind him, like the, the hype man. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, you know, and Philippa Sue, just the heartbreaking moments of Eliza is so amazing. And one thing before we get into our part two, I wanted to ask you, Amelia, there's a little bit of, I wouldn't say controversy, but there's obviously a lot of theories about the very, very end. And this is a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched Disney Plus, but the very, very end of the show, the very, very end and I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about, but the gasp, the gasp. gasp. What do you think it means? Lin-Manuel and Tommy Gale and Philippa Sue are not on record for any theory. They have not said anything about it. And they've been very open about the fact that they're willing to hear other theories. Um, I'm wondering if you have a thought about that last moment in Hamilton. I, I need to rewatch the show. Um, I just haven't really had time to sit down and commit to a three hour musical, also a sob fest. But the I I was 
surprised by that moment when I first watched it because I did not remember that happening when I saw the show on stage. I doubtless it did because I think it's become a standard part of the show now. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we were just sitting far enough back that it kind of went over my head or it didn't <laughs> register. Um, I, or I just didn't remember it. I was surprised and like, I, I honestly didn't get it. Um, so I went and read about it and I read all these different theories about like, oh, she's seeing the face of God. She's seeing the audience. She's seeing the impact that her work has had. She's being reunited with Alexander after however many years. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I think the one thing I found that Philippa Sue had to say about that was that, yes, it could be any of those things. It changes every time I do it. So I, I don't know personally what I think makes sense or what yeah. I would do if I were playing that role, which is probably never going to happen, but oh, I would love to someday. Um, yeah, I, I don't have an interpretation for the gas yet. Yeah. What about you? I, well, first of all, I'm not saying that I already have a dream cast of actors I know in my head if I were ever to do Hamilton and I'm not saying you wouldn't be a part of it but you know you take it with what you will <laughs> um basically means you would be my Eliza um but um and I think Richie De Jesus and I would flip a coin to decide who would be Aaron Byrne, who would be Hamilton on any night. We, he and I had a conversation once, I might cut this, but Richie and I had a conversation once about um, Hamilton um, with Kathy and my wife. And they were saying, yeah, when we do Hamilton, Matt and Richie are the only two Hispanics around that could probably do the show. And we're like, yeah. I said to Richie, which would you want to play? And he says, whichever one you wouldn't want to play. And I said, we'll flip a coin. We'll do it. We'll learn both parts and we'll do it nightly. And one night I'll be Hamilton, you be Aaron Burr and vice versa. Brilliant. And Richie was like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> but um, going back to your question, um, I don't have a theory myself. I didn't, I, I was like you, I did not um, get it the first time. But the one theory that I've kind of glommed onto and said, I think this might be it, is um, the whole time they're talking about, uh, they fast forward in the, again, this is a um, spoiler for the last song. They fast forward in time and it's, you know, um, the idea that uh, Eliza does all this stuff and he, she keeps doing this legacy, this legacy, what is the legacy? And she's keeping Hamilton's narrative alive. And that's part of the song. I put myself back in the narrative. I'm part of the thing now and I'm gonna keep going. And she keeps saying, you could have done so much more if you had more time and I have time and I'm gonna do all this. And someone said, it's actually, <laughs> it's actually a fourth wall break where Hamilton brings her to the front, shows her that she is standing in front of an audience and there is a musical about her husband that is there. And her reaction is that, oh my God, he, he still, his legacy has continued to go. I like that one. And maybe it's because it's the theater, theater lover in me. I like that one. I do too. I briefly read about that and hearing you explain it just now it like it fits so well with the intention of the song her whole 
intention is for him to be remembered well and for his legacy to live on for people to remember him in a positive light and yeah i think that that really works that interpretation works and it reminds me of like discussions that we've had i don't know if i've had this conversation with you but when we've been doing shows um like perpetua that are about real people we're like you know if we get to heaven someday and meet these people, like, do they know what we're doing? Are they happy with how we're telling their story? And I, I like the idea that, you know, maybe somewhere Hamilton and Eliza are pleased to see this going on, or at least Lynn would like to think they are. And I think he's probably right. Um, we have had that discussion uh, during one of our brunch discussions. We had that when we were talking about it at one point. So that, um, that would be cool yeah um if i ever got to meet asinius and saturnus that would be very interesting <laughs> um off topic for just a second when jackie because jackie did my interview for um inside sherwood studios and the last question of if you believe in god what would you god what would you want god to say to you when you when you arrived at the pearly gates i i originally thought I, for the longest time i kept saying um or thinking in my head, the line, it, it, he'd say to me, you're forgiven. But I actually like my new one now. The new line is, um, <laughs> oh, good, you're here. I want you to write me something. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's, it's kind of me. It's kind of sarcastic and kind of what I believe God would be to me. <laughs> Just give it right back. Um, now, Hamilton also has a, a Pulitzer Prize. Our young uh, uh, Lynn Manuel has a Pulitzer Prize. There is word that he's working on something new, but we don't know what it is. He won't tell anyone. Now, obviously, he's got a million things he's doing. He's writing the lyrics for um, the live-action Little Mermaid. He's got a show that he's work or a movie he's working on with Disney, um, um, and um, I think Skydance, uh, Vivo. Um, or Illuminations, I think it's with. Um, he's currently an actor in his Dark Material, which I haven't, I, the, this Dark Material, which I haven't seen yet. I really am uh, looking forward to seeing that on HBO Plus at some point. Um, and obviously he's got In the Heights, the movie version coming out soon. So it'd be very interesting. But what was really funny is I had Hamilton and then Moana came out obviously not too long after that. So I had nothing but Ham but Lynn Manuel on my iPod for a good two years of my life. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of good stuff right there. Yeah. And no one can mention the word shiny to me and have me not think of the song from Moana. I always immediately like like Megan says, oh make sure it's shiny. When I'm doing the dishes, I'm like, Shandy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, and I, it's very interesting because there was an article, of, um, there was an article a couple weeks or months ago, I can't remember, that someone was doing a play about Martin Luther King and they had cast a white man in the role which bothers me to no end. Yeah. But then people come back to me and say, well, Hamilton has, is a bunch of Puerto you know, Hispanic and black people playing white guys. Why does that not bother you? And I said, 
because Lin-Manuel explained it very thoroughly. He said, it is America of the past as told, told by America today. And it's not saying that, look, we know that George Washington was a white guy because he had slaves. We know some of these other people had slaves as well. It's not the idea that we have to see it. It's not like 1776 where you have to see a white guy. Now, granted, my dream role is John Adams. So if I ever got that, you know, that'd be amazing. But it's not about that. It's about seeing what America can be and that I mean, the show itself is about people trying to live the American dream and trying to do the best they can with building a nation, going through revolution and just being, you know, not letting go, not wasting their shot, basically. And it's important that it's told by the the minorities and the people who are, I mean, we're all immigrants to this country, and I don't believe it's it's part of it's part of the DNA of the show that these characters be portrayed by people of color and people of of various backgrounds, because you want a kid to sit in there of a, a complexion of myself or darker than me to sit there and say that's what America could be, and it just so happened that it was during the Obama administration, the very first black president up there, that this all occurred and I think it was perfect timing everything came together and I think that's one thing we'll always remember do you do you have any thoughts about the whole complexion discussion yeah. of Hamilton go ahead There's actually one thing I I'd just love to quickly say um, so I've been teaching for the last couple of years I've been teaching theater at a school in Lynn and uh, last spring before the before the pandemic started we had started rehearsing our show and I was um, like driving a carpool of some young actors from one school campus to another for rehearsals. And our tradition became to listen to Hamilton in the car. My students love Hamilton. I had one girl in particular um, and she's black and she is going to be an amazing actor. She already is an amazing actor. And I loved listening to Hamilton with her and like rapping along and having her be able to look at, you know, this famous Broadway show and, and see herself on the stage. And we would chat and be like, so who would you want to play if you were in Hamilton? She actually, she wants the title role. She wants to be yeah. the first female Alexander Hamilton, and she probably could be. Like, but I, I just love that, like, you know, this girl can imagine herself in that show um, and lots and lots of kids who, and adult actors too, who never really saw people on Broadway who looked like them now have this amazing, like, set of role models and know that there are shows out there that are being written for them. And also, like, we definitely need more, we need more stories about people of color from history or contemporary stories on stage. We need those. But I also love that, like, the whole concept of the show is taking these stories about people who were white and saying, you know, these stories, the story of America's identity should belong to people of every race. Mm -hmm. 
we are all part of America today and this story belongs to you too. And I love that giving, you know, giving people um, a chance to look past the race of these historical characters and find other aspects of them that they connect with, um, like Lynn seeing so much of himself in Alexander Hamilton. Mm. Um, and yeah, and just for kids, especially being able to, you know, they're learning these names in history class, but now they get to see how these stories actually belong to them too. It makes it feel so much more immediate and personal. And yeah, I love that. And it is, it is a different ball game um, casting people of color as historically white characters rather than the other way around. Like there's, we don't have time to get into that now, but I really respect and appreciate the choice that Hamilton has made and that other production, what were they thinking? <laughs> well, it's also, it's also one of those things where you could have a conversation forever about how unfortunately sometimes like women roles in theater, um, there aren't a lot of roles, like you said, for the, the um, different complexions, different nationalities, different races. It's always white people writing about white problems. Um, and of course it's gonna be, <laughs> I might cut this, but of course it's gonna be a bunch of white people complaining about the fact that we're okay with Hamilton and we're picking a fuss about Martin Luther King. Get over it, you know? <laughs> you know, what? You know. I mean, I remember when Hamilton first came out, I was like, Eliza's my new dream role. And I had a friend of mine um, who is not white point out that like the cast is all people of color and it's written that way. And I was like, yeah, you're right. There are tons of other great roles out there that like I could audition for and have a greater chance of being cast in just because of what I look like, which is totally unfair. And I would never want to... The last thing I would want would be to take away an opportunity from someone who deserves it, um, yeah. a role that was written for them. So, so it's um, the book is called Hamilton: The Revolution, which is basically from basically talking about the genesis of Hamilton straight into the hype and everything, written by uh, Jeremy McCarter and Lin Manuel Miranda, obviously through interviews. Um, and one other thing before we wrap up this part first part of the show um i want to talk about and i don't know if you've heard it but i i did send it to you and jackie uh, <laughs> the muppet version of hamilton did you listen to it at all i listened to the opening number i i can't believe that somebody actually took the time to do the entire show um, i do not have that kind of time in my life but it was very clever and uh, quite amazing and i thought nearly perfectly cast nearly what was it what was going to be your what, what was your um i mean i would have liked to have an angelica who actually uses words um because angelica is such a fantastic yeah. character and she has such great lines um yeah. I, I don't really know why they cast the chicken as angelica that didn't make sense to me like well, peggy maybe angelica no <laughs> well when you do get to um satisfied it's quite interesting hearing hearing, you know, uh, 
it, it's funny for a couple minutes. It's not funny for a long period of time. Um, the one thing that they do is hilarious, which I think is totally in the uh, um, Muppet world is <laughs> anytime it comes to one of those really quick um, things. So they cast a Fozzie Bear as Marquis, uh, what do they call him? The Marquis de Fozzie Yafet or something like that. And um, Thomas Jefferson. And when it gets to those quick lines in Guns and Ships and uh, um, Washington at her side, Fozzie just immediately goes, oh, I don't want to say this. This is too fast. That's great. <laughs> they play into the, to the, to the bits. Um, my only problem with that is, is his impression of um, Gonzo is not Gonzo, that great. Gonzo, it's so high-pitched and it's so obnoxious. Yeah. Like, I love Gonzo as Aaron Burr. That was a perfect casting choice, but he can't do the voice and it's so hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I almost stopped listening to it because of his Gonzo impression, but I pushed myself through it just because I wanted to hear the whole thing from beginning to end. And <laughs> they do make fun. They do do the Muppet thing and make fun of different things in there. I know how he did it too. They released a um, Hamilton instrumental track so people could have clean tracks if they wanted to do their own version so this guy probably bought it on amazon uh downloaded and just put his voice in doing it but hire someone who can do a gonzo voice for goodness sake (laughs) you know the fact that he can do all of the other muppet voices is still very impressive and most of them are spot on and like yeah i mean it it is it's good it's actually a lot of it is really good it's i'm giving the guy too much guff but it's one of those things and the only thing i would say to him is he could have bought if he had that kind of time buy the dang puppets and do the whole thing as if it was a muppet show i'd be on board with that um um but anyway so we've gone to talk about this whole thing um amelia are there any last um closing remarks you want to say before we wrap up part one and we go over to to part two is there anything last things you want to say about hamilton uh i mean there's always more than i think we've said plenty let's <laughs> get into the slums okay so um we're gonna stop here we're gonna uh take a break um, um i'm gonna pay some bills <laughs> Oh, we, oh, we'll talk about that song. So in the next episode, um, for those who have been following the podcast, I have been doing, when I've been talking about music, I have been doing some top 10 lists. In the next episode, you will be hearing Amelia and I's top choices for the, our top 10 list of top songs for Hamilton. We're going to get into it, friend. So um, stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, Amelia is going to be back to talk about that. So I'm really excited. So um, please uh, uh, um, continue supporting the channel, continue supporting everything. And I hope to hear you on part two. Uh, Have a good night and thank you. When you're looking to plan your next Disney World, Disneyland, or Disney Cruise Line vacation, we suggest you reach out to Danielle Elliott at Marvelous Mouse Travels. Danielle is a long, uh, lifelong Disney enthusiast, a former Walt Disney World cast member, and a graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge. 
When you book with her, your booking includes 100% free concierge level services, uh, some of which include customizing the perfect Disney vacation package for you and your family and your budget, uh, booking those difficult to secure fast passes and dining reservations, uh, providing tips and tricks to get out the most of your vacation, and more. Uh, Danielle also monitors Disney promotions to help you save money for those uh, Disney trip veterans still be in control of all the details. Danielle will take care of all your needs so you can have all the fun and truly say Akuna Matata throughout your time at Disney. Contact her for your free quote at danielle.elliot at marvelousmousetravels, one word, dot com or by messenger, messen, messaging her on her Facebook page.